and welcome to another episode of the Broker Collective. I think this makes episode three, guys. Four. 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 This makes episode four. We've been doing. We're on to episode four. Uh, as always, my name is Riz Malik, and I am joined by Lewis the Trawlerman Shaw. Hello. And Jamie Demora Lennox. Hello, hello. We have got a lot to cover in today's episode, and it is going to be packed to the brim of everything that you are going to want to discuss being a broker in the United Kingdom in 2024 in February. And we are going to kickstart with the economy. It's the economy that gets our attention first because the data that was released today shows that the UK PLC is technically in recession. Lewis, does this come as a surprise to you? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think I think it's well. I think you really got under the hood. If, if you got under the hood of it, it's, it's unfortunately it's probably worse than we think. Um, if you look at the annualized inflation data, the kind of the kind of three month and six month and nine month annualized inflation data. There's an argument to be had, isn't it, that, that we've already gone past the 2% target actually into deflation, um, although that won't show up because of the way it's measured. Um, so, no, it doesn't surprise me. The economy was already incredibly weak prior to COVID. We've had that for a number of years. I don't even think we've ever really come out of the 2008 financial crisis, in all honesty. That's the view that um, Martin Stewart holds as well. We've never really recovered, and that's borne out, isn't it? Where There was a... Um, a graph by Torsten Bell today from the Resolution Foundation that showed that we're, if, if we stuck to the kind of pre-global financial crisis um, growth line, our GDP would be approximately 24% higher, which would equate to about £23,000 per household. So that's a big chunk of money that we're not that we've not got because we've never really recovered. That's I think I think looking in the rearview mirror, it's very easy to say that the UK has been struggling for some time. But as far as I'm concerned, having growth that's hobbling around zero isn't growth at all. No. Yes, it's growth in terms of the technical term. And today we have reached and we've hit a definition. So that's why it's getting all the press and everything like that. But nothing's changed from yesterday to today. We're just as bleak situation uh, today than we were in yesterday. Jamie, what do you think? Yeah, um, I'll probably echo what you kind of all just said on that. It's, I think, really for you know, it's going to be the conversation more from the consumer now. We we've had conversations around this for months, um, but now the consumer will be in the forefront of every borrower's mind. Oh, we're in a recession. House prices are going to drop, or what's going to happen with mortgage rates? And we're going to be fronted with that question more and more in the kind of the days and weeks to come from customers questioning whether this is now the right time to be getting a mortgage or not. And ultimately, it's as you say, we, we've been living in this recession for six months already. We're, we're, we're in it. We've been living it. Nothing has changed from yesterday. We're, we're still in the same scenario of it. Um, but there is now the real risks that these rate hikes end up over being overcooked and there could be greater damage to come in the, the weeks and months to come on there as well. It'll be interesting to see the next few lots of jobs data, um, obviously, the way inflation's calculated it will be it's not going to feed through but as as lewis said 
it was a, a big drop off uh, on, uh, I think it was the quarterly basis and the monthly basis on there as well. So I think there is plenty of woes in the horizon. I, it'll be interesting to see what the Bank of England say on the next meeting next month and what kind of commentary comes out of it as well, whether they still keep downplaying um, the, the idea of cutting rates. Obviously, we're still heavily led by what's going on across the pond in America as well, though. So, obviously, I don't know. I really just don't know where it's going to pan out from here, to be fair. Well, coming back on to that, both of you know that I've been quite passionate about a certain topic, and it's with regards to uh, the inflation numbers. Now, even if inflation is hobbling around where it is at the moment, and, okay, it's not spiking, but it's not getting down towards the 2% target, there is the argument that, the Bank of England is not going to go before the Fed, before it cuts rates. Now, with their sticky wage data a couple of days ago, they're now talking towards more around June time before they cut their rates and they start to uh, shift their economic policy. I personally do not think the Bank of England has the balls, if I can say that, uh, to move before the Fed, regardless of the horrible uh, data that we've had out today about GDP, regardless of the position that the country's in at the moment, I just don't think that we will do that. Now, if the Fed move around June time, I think it could be coming into July, August time before everybody follows. There is nothing stopping the Bank of England moving first. But I don't think they will. What do you think, Jamie? It's a poisonous chalice at the moment in time because you you either take one viewpoint as we stick to the plan. We've always said we won't do anything until we hit below 2% inflation. But it now comes to the conversation of what's more important, the economic growth of the country or this 2% inflation target, which was set by, I think it was New Zealand or somewhere like that, uh, many moons ago. So... I, much like we, uh, there is the risk as well if they do move too quickly, is the currency crashes off the back of going before the Fed does because our economy is far weaker. Um, and if we go too soon with the rate reductions, currency, the sterling drops, and then that adds potential further inflationary issues because the buying power of the sterling reduces. So there is that risk. Um, would I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the job at the end of the day. It's uh it's definitely you're damned if you do, damned if you don't now, I think, at this point. So they might as well just stick to the plan and just, you know, they've said all along two percent's a target. Well, they might as well see that through now. Is there a plan? Do you even think that there is a plan? Lewis, in terms of actually kickstarting the engine of the UK, where do you think that momentum is going to come from? Rishi got really pally, and I think we've spoken about this before, with Elon and uh, the guys from OpenAI with regards to making the UK the AI destination for the world. I don't think that's going to take off. What is going to pull us out of this, this, this hole that we ultimately are in? And this, this either government... The current government, nor potentially any future government, in my opinion, has not laid out a plan to get us out of it. And before I jump over to you, you Lewis, just on Bloomberg at the moment, because you know I love my Bloomberg, it says Hunt puts the focus on the Bank of England to pull the UK out of recession. So now the government appear to be handing over the, ba the Bank of England saying, you deal with it. 
I don't think there's anything. <clears throat> well, there is no plan, is there? Or at least there doesn't seem to be a plan. Not really. I, where's, where's growth going to come from? I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. Um, because there are too many structural issues, aren't there? That's how it seems to me. Um, I mean, you'd, you'd be better off asking someone that actually knows, like Gary Stevenson. Gary Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Never, um, never heard of him. Never heard. Of him. I've copied him on a few tweets, and he's actually replied. So I hope that's okay, Lewis. I know that you've got a very fine. tight relationship with Gary. Yeah, he, uh, he said it's fine, so it's okay. okay. I don't know where it's going to come from. In all honesty, there is. I, I, I think we're in. Well, we're in a really big hole, aren't we? We're in a really big hole, and it's going to take some quite radical thinking to to get this moving without making things worse. The the next government, be that no matter who it is, whether it was Conservative or Labour, which is looking more and more likely for the polling results to be believed, they're all constrained because of the, the state of the economy we've had for the past, well, at least five years. I don't know, I don't think we do get out of this, not anytime soon. What's that? I, 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 I completely, I completely agree. I think when we're going to be, we're constantly hanging out for these interest rates to drop. We've seen the Sonia swap rates, and I know Lewis, you feel very uh, strongly about that topic. We've seen the Sonia swap rates really wobble over the last, you know, month and a half, so to speak. The expectation, and I think people even today, clients today, are still holding out that rates are going to drop in the short term. And we've seen that wobble and we're now starting to see lenders price upwards, even if it's 10 or 20 bips. If today's data hadn't been as dire as it had been, I think potentially we could have started seeing more lenders spike upwards. What do you think is the outlook? Because that's going to move us on to our next segment that we're going to talk about today. And that's lenders and the 24-hour pledge. Jamie. Um, I, I think this movement is going to be continued for a period of time. How long this drags out for will very much depend on next month's inflation data and the next lot of jobs data and commentary from the Bank of England after the next meeting. So I think until that point, at least there's going to be some regular price reviews from a lot of lenders. There's obviously some lenders are still kind of trying to hold firm as much as possible, towing the line with the rates they've got. But there comes a point when you run out of funding at that price point and you're running at loss. So there will come a point when they have to price upwards. I've been banging the drum since the start of the year uh, with my clients and on social media of like, if there's a deal and it's favorable, grab it because we've we, we've been down this road before and it will move far quicker going upwards than it will coming down. So we've been going on about that from, from day dot. But I, I don't see until personally, until after springtime before we actually see any if and when lenders start coming back down further again will be after that point i just think that's going to be a turning point we need to get the the mini budgets out of the way i'm sure that could have some knock-on effect as well so i think lenders are going to keep pricing upwards and sadly i think lenders again back to the 24-hour pledge lenders have kind of a lot of them just disregarded it again we're back we're back to summer last year the lenders are giving an hour or two's notice and it's, yes yeah, acceptable. but jamie how do we get to this situation because the one thing obviously we've all noticed an uptick in business levels come uh since january after the first week the momentum has definitely improved how do we i don't even know how to convey to people 
even like things like documents, we can't submit to your case until it's fully packaged. This is what we need. This is the format that we need it in. There still doesn't seem to be that urgency. I'll get around to it when I need to, this, that, and the other. Some of these movements, I think, especially if there is a bit of a wobble, could be great. What more could we do as the broker community to educate our clients? We don't want to be, you know, the people who are constantly hitting you over the head but we can't do our job and secure that deal for you until I've got everything that I need. I'm not asking you things for things that I don't need for a reason. I need it for a file, for an audit, for the lender, for whatever. Please just give it to me in the format that we need it to, that we, in the format that we need it. 100%. And I, do you know what I think it is? Is obviously the, certain, the start of the year, there was plenty of media just preparing rates are coming down martin lewis tv saying rates are coming down on there as well and the anticipation of that but then customers just take that as gospel they're not looking reassessing the news of what's happening on a daily basis because this moves just like that at the end of the day so i think people have seen the, the positive outlook and they've based their rest of their assumptions for the rest of this year that oh rates are come down i'll wait so they they've forgotten that actually the market has shifted quickly the other direction because they were just resting on their laurels that it was going to come down because they took the the snippet of good news from there when it was there. Talking about the rate withdrawals and everything like that, we seem to be back to the old tricks that we were before. Now, 2023, I understand because the momentum was completely different. I I, I understood it. I didn't like it, but I understood it. Why are we now, Lewis, back to the same situation? I'll just to let you know, we're pulling all of our rates, but it's okay. You've got until 10 o'clock to get the application in fully packaged. You've got until 10 o'clock. Oh, by the way, our staff are going to go home at five o'clock and there's going to be no support for you or anything like that. What can we do more to highlight to lenders that we need to work together here? Or is it just a case that we have to accept that this is a commercial transaction and ultimately this is the way it is? I think the amount of the amount of kind of publicity that the twenty four hour pledge got within our within our community within with, with lenders. I heard that there was people talking at the top of um, at the top, you know, right up at the top of the the, the towers. Um, why are our names being mentioned in board, you know, boardrooms and that kind of stuff? It did get some traction, um, but I think we've just I think we've got to accept that this is where we're at. It is a commercial transaction at the end of the day, and lenders have to react to volatile market events. I mean, if you ask any lender, I'm pretty certain that they're going to say, we don't want to do this. They're not going to want to do it. They're going to want to keep getting business in. They'd rather not have to put brokers under pressure, not putting them by extension clients under pressure. But I think we just have to accept that this is how it is. We're not going to get that change because ultimately we can't control financial markets if only we could. Eh? Um, so I think all that we can do is set the stall out now clearly this isn't going to change clearly we're in for a, a bumpy the likelihood is it's going to be a bumpy 12 months isn't it so lewis you've lost the fight out. mate you've lost the fight you've got onto that the fight. you've got you've got into the high seas and you've lost that fight that you had into you in you last year jamie sort him out for me please no it's it's, it's, it's good. we've got to be pragmatic we've got to be pragmatic about this so we've we've tried it's not that we've failed we've tried and some lenders are sticking to it coventry is a perfect example um, 
that if this is how it's going to be, I'm just talking, you know, let's keep pushing, let's keep try and change it. But the reality is, is that it's probably not going to change anytime soon. So in, with that in mind, we need to make clients aware, look, this is where we're at. I've sent an email today to a client where I know that a rate is going to be pulled at, I think it's half 10, now what's the given us, I think, isn't it? Um, something like that. I've sent an email, I, I don't have the documents. So at five o'clock, that's that. What am I meant to do? Jamie, it's a tough one because there is a client at the end. But you know, the drum I was banging last year was there is a client at the end of this, um, and you don't even need to give twenty four hours pledge. To be fair, just give us from the nine a.m. that morning. Give us, a, give us a fighting hell and a chance to get something in. Because when you drop in, the argument has always been. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie. One thing I've got to just say yeah. this. Sorry, before I leave, yeah. the argument has always been that. They've got to give the sourcing systems notice. They've got to give their marketing team notice. On a lot of these instances, before we've even found out, the press has managed to get hold of it, and even they know what's happening. It is achievable. Okay, 24 hours. Yeah, we didn't ask for 48 hours. We didn't have 24 hours. We keep on saying that, look, if Coventry can do it, everybody else can do it. Just even 9 o'clock on that day, let us know that you've got that day until getting the close of business rather than firing out an email at two, three o'clock in the afternoon saying you've got until 10 o'clock to get the deals in. Hello. Sorry. Completely. And and that's, that is the big issue because when you get getting emails at two o'clock, three o'clock, some I think even dripped in a little bit later than that as well by the time they land in the inbox, is if you're in an appointment, you could have sent the illustration across to the client to review and then you've missed that boat because you come out, bang, rate's gone. Um, and it's just set, setting a false pretense uh, for customers. And it's just creating duplicate work for everybody because it wastes people's time because the system processing and, you know, uh, the actual usage of their system as well is being spiked at certain points because you've got such a short window of time to get them in for the ones that are scurrying around to get it. You get often get these systems crashing because they don't have the infrastructure and IT systems or support at seven o'clock at night because they've all, all gone home to their families while the brokers are still there. And and to add to that as well, obviously data's come out to say that 90% of customers are going to be using a broker in the next kind of year or two for their mortgage. So if we're going to be the biggest supplier of their product, there needs to be a little bit more regard to it as well at the end of the day because they're not going to get customers coming into the branch because they're all closing their branches. Um, and now more than ever, people want advice. So there needs to be more regard for brokers. And you know, if you want to open up till 10 o'clock at night to your systems, open up the phone lines then. Because if I want to pick the phone call up to say, will you do this case? You need to be available um, if they want to play that game. If not, stick to nine till five and but just give some adequate notice. On that, you're I muted. Can't, I, I can't find clapping, but I'm going to give you some dance pop for that comment That's... that you just made because I completely so... agree. Let's all take this moment to engage in some dance pop. Okay. Is that over now? No, the bass line's about to drop. Grace, we don't have time for dance. We're talking about mortgages. Oh, for God's sake. What I was going to say is, actually on that, right, so when whenever we issue a mortgage illustration, I've always, I've always wondered this, last year when, when, when Rachel was being pulled left, right and centre. So 
So when we issue a mortgage illustration, so when we generate the illustration from the lender, that illustration says it's valid for that day. Yeah? Now, lenders may kind of uh, cut it off at, say, 5 o'clock, it might be 8 o'clock, it could be 10 o'clock. So where does that sit in terms of from a compliance point? Now, this is just, you know, me being a bit um, picky and pedantic. But where does that sit from a compliance point? Because that that illustration is generated from the lender to say this illustration is valid on this calendar day, not on this calendar day until 5 o'clock, until 8 o'clock, until 10 o'clock. So is there something there? That, I mean, I don't know, but it's an interesting point, I think. That is a very interesting point, Lewis. And I think we have covered that. Uh, before and there'll always be terms and conditions and exclusions and ways that they would get out of it and your calls recorded for training and quality purposes but 24 hours notice would be ideal a few hours notice is not ideal especially if some of the time that you're allowing to submit the case is after business hours so let's leave lenders there now we are going to move on to conditional selling conditional selling not as much an issue in 2023 because there was very little going on but since january i've heard of a lot of stories and some horror stories of conditional selling and people being put under immense pressure to use in-house financial advisors or in-house legals when they are putting their offers in lewis i'm going to kick over to you because i know you've got a lot to say on this topic Sure. Well, the first thing is to any brokers that are listening to this, any brokers that uh, listen to this and then speak to other brokers, um, there's a, a journalist um, that's been in touch with me and they're really trying to get under the skin of conditional selling. Um, so if you have any instances, particularly where there's genuine, where there's hard evidence, so for example, where the estate agent has said, the inside voice outwardly on an email in particular, where there's actual hard uh, traceable evidence of that. If you could get in touch with the broker collective or directly uh, in my DMs or email me, and I can put you in touch with the journalist in question. And they're really trying to put something together that will hopefully um, blow this thing wide open and make it better for us as brokers, for, and, but ultimately um, better for clients, which is obviously what the main um main point of this is so uh any any instances of conditional selling then please feel free to get in touch and we can pass that on to the journalist in question i i won't pass it on i'll just give you the email to send it to yourself um so not only could it be some good pr for you but also could help to highlight some of the uh you know adverse practices that uh, we see in the property market Jamie, you're up. Come on, let's have it. You know it's bad when you actually. I've now actually had to build it in to my to my sales patter with the customer. Of there is a segment of conditional selling that I have to make customers aware of. You know the what goes on in the market, and that just shows just how rife it is out there that I'm having to explain it to customers. And touch wood, it's we've had a good run. We've not actually had many we haven't i haven't had an instance for a little while now to be fair personally but i don't know if that is because of my clients are so aware of what's going on or have i lost a client without even realizing it because of it or because of 
I had a, one of my clients had quite a big feature with a, a big national agent locally to myself, whether that agent in question is no longer running that practice locally or a little bit concerned if my name's mentioned in the process as well. So it could be a variety of things, but you just log on to LinkedIn and it is full of horror stories at the moment in time where everyone seems to be facing it, no matter where they are in the country. But nothing ever gets done about it. Oh, it's a training issue. Oh, yeah, we're going to go back to those people. There are the same culprits over and over again. And there just doesn't seem to be any recourse. And one would argue that so a lot of this is done, obviously, to first-time buyers. They don't know the process. They're just thinking, I want that house. They don't know how the world works. So you're not preying on an element of society that we should be helping and, you know, trying to... I, just, I just think that it's just desperation as far as I'm concerned. This comes back to vulnerability as well. Um, yes, I didn't yeah, want to use so that word. Now. I didn't want to use but that it is, word, but it is, it is, it is. It is. And, you know, we're put under, uh, you know, an ultimate lot of pressure to record vulnerabilities in customers now uh, and document the extra support we give them. But there is practices that are clearly prying on vulnerable customers for their financial gain and, and nothing less. Um, so you'd like to think, I appreciate it's not the, the FCA doesn't regulate the state agent, but they certainly do regulate the mortgage advisors that are these customers are being pushed in front of so you'd like to think even if the state agency part's not kicking in the fca could at least do something but as you say it's nothing same names are in the hat each time nothing changes training issue every time um but yeah it's uh history seems to repeat itself time and time again with the same culprits so if you are a broker and you do have any instances, then get in touch with Lewis and he can share the details of the journalist who's looking to run a story. Lewis, when we were talking before about setting up this episode, you also wanted to mention inquiries. Obviously, a lot of inquiries are coming in at the moment, and that's fantastic. And that's not just to us. It's to our broker friends and colleagues up and down the country. But we, you were mentioning something before about a few of the frustrations that you're having with regards to the new inquiries. Do you want to mention those, Lewis? Sure. I um, I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but there seems to be, <clears throat> because mortgages have been in the spotlight, in the mainstream spotlight now, but what seems like forever and a day, whereas, you know, if you, if you remember pre the world pre-COVID, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing, was it? Let's be honest. You'd hear the odd, you know, kind of article here or there about mortgages, etc. But it wasn't the mainstream. But now everyone's talking about it. It's always on in the press. Uh, obviously, brokers are much more vocal on, on social media about it. So as a consequence, I'm seeing, um, and I know that this, I mean, it is anecdotal for me, but I've spoken to a number of other brokers who have seen the same kind of thing happen. Um where customers are speaking to multiple brokers at the same time, um, which pretty much negates the point of a broker. So, for example, um, where you'll have the, I'm speaking to two or three brokers, I just want to get two or three quotes. Well, what's the point in that? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the, literally the point of a broker, to actually determine what the right product is. Um, and so do we need to do more around the kind of educational piece? And would it help for, if, if that was out into the mainstream media you know, with regards to you go to a broker to get the comparison, not to then compare yourself, because you don't know, you know, the best, with the best one in the world, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a patronising way to consumers out there, but more often than not, most of them don't know what they're looking at. They can't accurately compare stuff. Not to mention the fact that 
the conversation that you have with broker A and broker B and broker C, they will be different. They will be materially different. And of course, a, a client's thinking will evolve through that process. And then what tends to happen, I'm seeing, so I, I spoke to a, a, a young couple uh, last week. Oh, we, so we weren't quite honest with you. We've spoken to this other broker and he said this and you, you're, you're saying that. And I just ended up saying, do you know what? Forget this. Just You crack on. I'm not getting into this because I don't have the time for it. Um, but are we, do we need to do more in terms of education? Uh, I, I really do think that we do because actually I was scrolling through Facebook the other night and there are a couple of mortgage lenders advertising their products, mainstream lenders. There were hundreds and hundreds of comments on there. And it did remind me that we all, as brokers, suffer from the curse of knowledge where we ex- we're, we're, we're so used to dealing with this stuff. We know so much about it and we're at such a level in comparison to Joe Public. Scrolling through those comments just highlighted and, and brought me back down to earth to think, crikey, people really, really don't understand this stuff like at a really basic level. And we're, we're talking here and everyone else is way down here and below. And it was useful for me to, to make me realise, actually, do you know what? I'm, I might, more often than not, I could be talking at much too high a level than I should be. And so that's that's useful for me to, 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 to understand that, you know? So I'll tell you what my take is on this topic, okay? I don't know if this, I've mentioned this, but this, this year is my 10-year anniversary. And we've gone through the whole wave of what we deal with and what we don't deal with. And as we're trying to move into more areas, I'm very open and honest with people. You come to me, my job is going to be to find you the solution for the problem that you've come to me. This is the parameters. These are the parameters that I work with. I'm going to research your options and I'm going to come back and present to you. This whole thing about when people start ringing, what's the best rate on this two-year fixed or what can you do for this? Oh, I don't want to give you any information. I don't want to give you quotes anymore. As soon as that comes out or somebody says, I've spoken to these two or three other people, my response is literally, if you've already spoken to somebody else, you know, why aren't you continuing with them? You should be speaking to them. And I don't know if that's generally, you know, people aren't just aware of the role of a broker or just assume that, you know, maybe the reputation that we have within the market is that, you know, we're not professional or we're not acting in the client's interest. But I try to convey to people that I'm going to try and put you in the best position. If I can't put you in the best position, I'm going to tell you. If I can do, then we're going to have that conversation. I'm going to hold your hand all the way to the end. Only today, only today, I decline, God bless her. We've been dealing with the remortgage, with transfer of equity, taking a partner off, help to buy, et cetera, et cetera. We've been going through this transaction for this client for well over six months. And she messaged me today and she said, thanks so much for everything. You've been my hero. My wife doesn't even say that I'm a hero. So when we do a good job, and this isn't related to me, I know both of you guys put your clients number one. A lot of the guys that we deal with in the broker community uh, have exactly the same ethos that they work towards helping their clients. It does frustrate me when people are trying to play one broker off the other. And if somebody's already started a deal, I will say, look, that guy's already got a head start. I'm not going to get involved. 
But I think this is going to just increase as the market gets busier and busier. Jamie, sorry, I've been talking for some time. What do you think? No, I I completely agree. And I've, you know, as my my years of experience have kind of taught me that if someone, after they spoke to me for the first time, so if I get a new customer come to me, I like to ask about if they've had a mortgage before, the first reason is why are you now using another broker? Get to the bottom of why they haven't gone back to the same person. Because ultimately... There's either one of a couple of things. Either they weren't very good or they've had a bad experience or they don't trust them enough or they met customers potentially a little bit dodgy as well. And that's why the brokers kind of swerved them as well. So you always try and get down to the bottom of the reason why they're coming to you over someone else. But even if I've spoken to someone and then they then come back to me, you know, it doesn't happen to be fair too often. Um, but if I do get a customer say, I've gone and got alternative quotes as a comparison, I will say, you know what? best to go with the other person you spoke to because ultimately you have not trusted me in the first place enough that I've acted in your best interests so if that's not the case I'm not the right broker for you and we're not going to win everyone because we've got people rapport better with certain people they get to you know they have more trust they have more things in common um so people will naturally gravitate to certain people at the end of the day and there's nothing wrong with that but just be honest don't try and play people off each other but I think another issue we've got is it's become too easy to get multiple bits of advice being you know back in the day brokers are a lot more flexible we'll take calls more regularly we can do zoom appointments we do teams they'll more some brokers will go out to their clients whereas back in the day your only option was you had to book an appointment with your bank or the broker would go in set time and you wouldn't go anywhere else whereas because it's now got more easier to get uh, a mortgage as in there's more technology available there's the likes of brokers giving shady advice out on tiktok in the evenings as well um well, we're coming to that park, park that for a second we're coming to that it becomes too easy for people to get information but I, I always say is if you need to speak to multiple brokers you either there's not enough trust but it also creates more confusion for the customer because different networks will have different ways that brokers are expected to source mortgage deals by to work out the overall cost of that mortgage there'll also be uh, lenders changing rates all the time. So a rate could be the best rate today, but if it's a downwards market, the very next day, it could be a different lender that's cheaper or higher. So ultimately, we're not comparing apples of apples. It, it, the advice is going to sway from one person to another, depends on which day of week they're looking at it. So, but then ultimately, if one broker goes, then I've got a cheaper rate, the customer's thinking, well, my other person I spoke to wasn't been very good. Well, ultimately, the market's just shifted at the end of the day. Um, so... It is a lot about education. I think brokers probably will need to get better at setting up that first appointment. So this first appointment is getting longer and longer, to be fair, because we're covering off conditional selling, explain that to them, and the reason why to use a broker. So <laughs> we may be nearly as long as a bank appointment anyway. But, oh, forget that. Um, I'm not going back to those days, mate. <laughs> but I, it's, yeah, it's not it's not great from, from that. But, yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? I think there's it a thing here. It is what it yeah. is. I think there's a thing here to say as well is that there's always that, that the whole kind of law of unintended consequences. There's always that piece. And I think perhaps customs aren't aware that because, you know, we're, we're busy, you know, they're busy, we're busy, everyone's busy doing stuff, doing our jobs, uh, etc. I think there's a, there's a piece here to, to, to for customers to be wary of in terms of doing this in so much as this kind of, if this kind of takes more of a hold in terms of, I'm going to speak to multiple people. Well, of course, brokers will then just go, well, 
if, if more if more and more customers become flaky, well, do you know what? I'll I'll sack you off. I'll deal with you if you come back. So this kind of I want to get some information. I want to understand the process. I want to know what the crack is. That will start to move away because we'll be like, well, piss off and I'll, I'll speak to you if you're serious. So there's, there's can I just jump, jump in on that quickly? And that ultimately is going to push financial advice costs up because yeah. if brokers are going, I'm doing more work for less return. They're going to go, well, I'm going to charge on advice process before even actually giving anything because of no show and return customers. And the actual cost of the service is going to increase to reflect that as well. So that's my just two, pin, two pence on that as well. And let me just add in here. The people, for example, everybody's got a different model and we're not going to talk about fees on this particular episode because that's a freaking episode all in itself. But the people who are fee-free, I would just like to add to that point. If you are used and people are, especially in a market where purchases might start coming up and those purchases don't fall through or those clients, that time that you're spent that doesn't lead to income with your compliance costs, with consumer duty, with everything else that you're supposed to do uh, as part of a transaction and within tra only having a finite number of hours within your day, I don't understand how you're going to make that stack up. But ultimately, all this will do is end up increasing the cost of financial advice. And we've seen this in the other sectors that we've got. If you look at the IFA market, for example, you've now got a certain limit or a level where people who want to obtain financial advice are going to have to come in at. All that's going to do is push up that barrier and make it harder for people to access cost-effective financial advice. 100% completely agree and I, I think this is this is the this is the downside of too much information um it, it leads to a paralysis of decision making um not to mention the fact that there's so much misinformation out there that's the big thing well let's use that as a segue lewis if i may on this uh, give me this opportunity onto the final topic that we will be talking about on this podcast and that is with regards to social media. Now, for those of us who are in the market, uh, we will know the importance and the benefits social media can have as part of your marketing mix. With certain platforms, including TikTok, number of brokers utilize TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, to advertise and to market their services. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Going onto a live and talking generically about market movements and processes and everything like that, with the wealth of experience we have within our industry, I think is invaluable. But there is a fine line when you do cross from between talking generically and giving advice. And I know, Lewis, you wanted to talk about this in detail. Sure. So I think a lot of it stems, I, I think a lot of this, this stems to some brokers being genuinely probably unaware of what the actual rules set out. And they're very clear rules. These, this, this, bit, this, this piece isn't guidance. This is an actual rule from the FCA about what you can and can't do with real-time and non-real-time promotions, to use their vernacular. And the thing is, is that I'm, I'm, I know that I come across sometimes as a bit of a jack the lad and all the rest of it, but I'm actually very compliant, um, simply because I, I, whilst I'm an AR, I'm an AR of a small DA network, and therefore, you know, we have to be uh, very 
kind of cautious because we do get audited pretty heavily, to be honest. I know there's a, I think there's a bit of a misconception sometimes that, you know, small DAs, I know that some of them can be a little bit, you know, close to the wind, but we're audited pretty heavily. Um, anyway, so I think it stems from a lack of understanding of the actual rules. And I don't think sometimes they realise the hot water they could find themselves in if someone's flicking through Instagram uh, and and someone some bot at the FCA sees it, that that can cause a lot of problems, you know, an awful lot of problems. Um, so I just think brokers should be more aware of, of what they're putting out there um, in terms, and specifically when they're talking about interest rates, or specifically when they're talking about product, product specific products, etc. Because it's very easy to stray into something that the FCA would go, whoa, hang on a minute, you can't be saying that without all these risk warnings, without all these representative examples, all the rest of it. Case in point, um, a broker sent to me a, a screenshot earlier today, actually, of, of a broker um, on a social media platform in a, in a story highlighting um, just that, that kind of thing in terms of they're, they're going through payments and all the rest of it. They're completely in breach of FCA regulations, completely in breach of them. Um, and there are going to be people, there are brokers, some people are vindictive, you know, and there will be people that try and shop you because they don't like you or whatever it might be. So I think there just needs to be, you know, actually go and find out what you can and what you can't say. So the rules on this are very clear and they're actually pretty easy to understand if you go to MCOB, I know it's not everyone's favourite book, but if you go to MCOB, MCOB 3A.5 MCD Financial Promotions, and it will talk you through exactly what you need to put on a social media post if you're going to start talking about rates and products and all that kind of stuff. It, it's very clear about what you have to do. And it's not you have it's not it's not you'd like to, it's a must. The word must is in there. And so let's just get it clear. Talking generically, so I go on social media a lot and talk about the state of the UK economy, which is just depressing. And you can talk generically about the topic. This, and I've seen this happen quite a lot, where people say specifically, well, this lender has got this rate and this lender has got this rate or whatever, whatever, and without putting, obviously, the risk warnings, etc., on it. I think that is... The, the place that people need to start being careful and I think it could just be down to maybe not knowing the rules or just enthusiasm uh, going on the live and people asking you these questions but people do need to be people do need to be aware Jamie what would you suggest for people who are trying to adopt a social media strategy I know your carousels are spoken about widely all around the land and even globally uh, I've heard that they've been discussed at international uh, marketing forums, what would be your top tips for brokers trying to engage awareness on social media? I think it's a case of sticking to factual information that it can be backed up with evidence on that and quoting your source of that as well, because that ultimately is your get out of jail card because you've provided actual information. And I think I've not got an issue with brokers doing live streams and that as well, because I think it's great to get for more people to get access to financial services. That's a great thing in that first sense. But what I hate is the oversimplification of something that's rather quite complicated. So I, I dip in and out of some lives just to see what's being said out there and sad as I am. Um, there's, you just see instances like, oh, I earn X amount of salary. How much can I, can I borrow? Bang, brokers reels off. You can borrow that. 
no regard to the whole situation or circumstances. Does that customer probably go, ah, oh, I'm going to now buy commitments, this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing accounted for. And it's, you know, saying, you know, the, the top end could be this, but you need to factor in X, Y, Z, Y, Z. We'd recommend speaking to, you know, some form of professional to give you an accurate figure. So that, you know, it only takes an extra sentence just to safeguard you a little bit at the end of the day and give a, a more justified reason why it's not as straightforward as four times income or five and a half times income, whatever multiplier that a lenders they want to quote at is offering. Um, and it's just, that is my, my bugbear is bang snapshot answers, which I appreciate people got short attention spans, but it just creates, I think more confusion and more damage for the industry as a whole, because you're, you, you're leading people blindly and they're taking it as gospel uh, without actually getting proper advice with it. So that, that's my real bugbear of it all. And ultimately as well, we'll add um, some of these, you know, I'm of a mortgage network and I've read my social media policy inside out as I've had to, where we provide social media services for other firms at the end of the day. So we need to know what we can and can't put out. And more often than not, there's no risk disclaimers on there as well. There's no link in no documentation of where their source of that information's come from when they're quoting figures on there as well. Um, so it's leaving them very open. And a lot of the stuff of these live streams as well, the risk is, is I'll be in breach for a lot of networks, actual policies on there as well, because they'll want stuff signed off or transcripts or copies of anything that's gone live. And I'm, I could be pretty confident no one's screen recording their live stream and send that up to compliance after they've done it. It's a case of it happened. Compliance aren't currently looking at my social media because I'm doing this at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and none the wiser, which is a, a dangerous way to be playing it. I think the key for us all is just to, we all know what the rules are and what the guides are. If you're talking about specific rates or products or giving personalised advice, you should be steering clear of doing those types of things. But talking generically and sharing your knowledge and experience, then obviously as long as it's within the parameters of what your network or your authorization status allows, then that's a different matter. I think one of the things that I wanted to point out as well is, is here is that there are plenty of examples on Instagram uh, in particular where people just pull up, for example, rates of the week. There's no way that would pass through. No way any compliance person would sign that off. Not a chance. Is there any way a compliance person would sign that off, Lewis? Not a chance, mate. Not a chance. But the, the, so, so the one thing that I do have a bit of a bugbear is when we're using social media uh, as, as a marketing tool, which is great for all of us, the point of the rules are that it's a level playing field. So for the people that are playing by the rules and being compliant, they're not maybe not getting the engagement from the people that aren't playing by the rules, and that disturbs the balance of what should be a level playing field. So I'm looking at a I'm looking I'm looking at something right now on my phone. Um, so it's a, a post uh, ask, saying what are my monthly payments on a X value house purchase, and then it lists um, four four different uh, loan to values for a two year. Uh, four different loan to values for five years, gives the figures, and then just says they might come with some fees and criteria. This might seem That's a bit wrong. pedantic, but this might seem pedantic. It, it is wrong, but I'm just going to highlight this because um, it matters. So just to point out how many how many points this fails on on the financial pro promotion. So this is straight from MCOP. When communicating or approving a financial promotion concerning an MCD regulated contract, which indicates an interest rate or any figures relating to the cost of the credit to the consumer, the firm must ensure 
that the financial promotion includes standard information which specifies in a clear, concise, prominent way the following. The identity of the MCD creditor, so who's the lender, and where, and where applicable the credit intermediary or appointed representative, so that's out. Um, that it will be secured by way of a legal charge, that's out. The borrowing rate, that's out. The total amount of the credit, that's out. The APRC, that's out. The duration of the credit of the regulated contract, that's in, because they stipulate a 30-year term. The oh. amount of installments, that's in. The total amount payable, that's out. The number of installments, that's out. The applicable warning, and risk risk, risk warnings that, that rates can change, that's out. With, like, literally, it's, it's so non-compliant, and this is with a mainstream mortgage network. I'm not going to shop them and I'm not going to do that because I'm not here to, to, to shit on people at all. But be aware that you can really find yourself in hot water. That's me. And what a fantastic place to conclude the fourth episode, fourth episode of the Broker Collective, even though I thought it was the third episode. Lewis, where can people find more information about the MCOB rulings? Shall we put it in the bio or in the link or somewhere like that? Yeah, I'll ping a link, yeah, we'll ping a link into the actual, the specific page that relates to financial promotions. Yeah. I should highlight the, um, the, the big thing is here is when you're then saying contact me, if there's, a, if there's a call to action, then you're really on the hook for it. You can DM uh, Lewis and he'll be happy to share the MCOB uh, rulings directly with you at any time of the day or night for this our fourth edition of the broker collection we collection collective we record these every fortnight and we've had to be a bit flexible here today so i appreciate the guys being flexible with their time but we were determined that we wanted to get an episode out to you this week where the uk has technically fallen into recession what will happen next? We are going to be discussing this on the future episodes. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, uh, ping it on Spotify, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, wherever you are hearing our podcasts. We want the whole community to get involved and to uh, get involved and behind us with the Broker Collective. The three of us initially started through our affiliation with Newspage, and then it evolved there through the 24-hour pledge, when in 2023, people were pulling rates with very short notice. We can achieve a lot if we band together, and as long as we have the client at the end of the journey and do everything to put them in the best possible position, then we can't go wrong. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you soon. Take care. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you.